do research at the age of 15, 16, and 17. And it, it was really quite amazing to see all these gifted youngsters from all over the United States mainly. And on the last day, they were all going home, and we were going home as well, and we had a sort of um, singing jamboree, if you like. And, and I did a proclaimer's song which really sort of lowered the tone and watched all these senators, you know, doing the, I would walk five. And however, there was something that happened right at the end, and it was t- just two young girls who they, they wanted to sing a song, and it's an old Beatles song um, called, you know, On Our Way Home, Two of Us. And absolutely beautiful. I mean, they, they were just playing, the guy that got to play guitar wasn't terribly good, but the refrain is, you know, and, we're on our way home, we're going home. And it was very, very emotional. And I don't know if you've ever had that sort of feeling where something happens and it's, it's almost like a, a joy that's coming out of you. You can't really understand why. And it's like unfulfilled longing and you just, you don't know what to do with it. I think unfulfilled longing is the only feeling, the only, the only way I can describe it in words. And I, I, I didn't know what to do with it. And I remember going back to, to my sort of little um, hut thing that I was staying in. And the passage, which is our passage tonight, was the one that I went to. That was the one that the Holy Spirit brought up in my mind. Because I realized that although we were singing about going home, and I really was looking forward to seeing the most beautiful women in the world, Fiona, down here. And I was looking forward to seeing my children. There was something deeper there's something about the whole idea of home, which is more than just people, house, place to dwell. Even though those things are important, there's something more. It's, it's full of, you know, there's songs, there's poems, all sorts of things, stories, novels, all about this idea of home. And I remember going and reading John 14, the bit we're going to read, and realizing why home is actually so important. And why those two girls singing a Beatles song, nothing very spiritual about it, unless you really think the Beatles are spiritual, nothing terribly spiritual about it, and yet it tugged at something that was really deep within inside me and many other people. Let's look at this passage in John's Gospel. So, Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 to 31. You're welcome to read your Bible if you want. What I have done is I've actually put some images together with this. You might find it helpful, and if you do, have a look at the images. If you just want to read your Bible because that really annoys you, it does some people, then just read your Bible. It's fine. What's happened up until now? Jesus is with his disciples. They are upset and they're worried. For three years, they've given their lives to follow someone that they really think is special. And now it's all seemingly falling apart. All seemingly falling apart. And Jesus is sitting at a meal with them, talking to them about him going away. And we pick up the story here. If you love me, says Jesus, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, someone to give you courage, someone to come alongside, to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. 
The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you desolate. I will not leave you fatherless. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father. And you are in me. And I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, then Judas said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he or she will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you will hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I've spoken while I was still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you, bring back to memory everything that you have heard me say. It's peace that I leave with you and it's my peace that I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You've heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to my father. For the father is greater than I. I've told you this now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now. Let us leave. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come and help interpret these words to us. Holy Spirit, 
the Lord Jesus talked about you and he's teaching his disciples, we would ask that now, right now in Mutley in this Sunday evening, that you would teach us in the same way as the Lord Jesus taught them, that you would teach us and that that promise that he gave, that you would lead us into all things that are true, that you would guide us. We ask for that promise now. Please, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If a man loves me and obeys my commandments, my father will love him and my father and I will come and make our home in him. Those are spectacular words. That verse 26 I put to you is the key to everything that we've read. When you read through John's Gospels, there's stuff that that blows your mind. You read it and you think, goodness, I can't get my head around this. And it's because John is trying to put into language things that are really difficult to put into language. And people for hundreds, thousands of years have tried to fathom the depths of these words that you and I have just read together. And have found it very difficult to fathom the depths. But when the Holy Spirit did show them just what it meant, it has changed people's lives forever. What I want to put to you is this verse 26. Once you understand this, everything else we've read actually falls into place. Not nice and neatly, but in a way which if you grasp it, changes the rest of your life completely, utterly, and irrevocably. My father and I will come to him or her and make our home in him. That word home that's used there is the same word that Jesus uses when he's talking about heaven. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come and indwell. So when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, sometimes known as the Holy Ghost, some people think it's some sort of add-on, some sort of superpower that God's got, you know, a Duracell battery type thing that he can release, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got this great ability to do things. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, and he's the Spirit of the Father. He's not some additional thing, some power, some... He is God himself, and he is the Spirit of Jesus and the Spirit of the Father. Many people have spent a long time trying to work out this thing called the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And for 300 years after this, people tried to get their heads around it. Can I suggest to you that's not a good thing to do tonight? Go and do that if you want. Tonight, what I want you to challenge myself and you to do is to live in the good of the fact that, it's, that that's true. That God wants to come and live with you. Not just draw alongside, not just sort of help you in some mystical way, but he wants to come and make his home with and in you, no matter who you are. And this is something which runs through the entire Old and New Testament. This isn't something which just appears here. And how does that happen? It happens because Jesus goes away and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, comes back. That's why he says, I'm telling you I'm going, I'm telling you I'm coming back. It must sound really confusing. But Jesus, by his Spirit, is right here now. Heaven starts the minute that God's Spirit indwells you. Certainly in the future, and Jesus says this in my father's room, he says this at the beginning of this chapter, in my father's house there are many rooms, there are many mansions, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Heaven is where God is. 
And then later on, he says, if, if a man or woman loves me, my father and I will come and make our home, our little bit of heaven inside him or her. Those are amazing words. Those are absolutely amazing. Everything it says, everything that it teaches about the Holy Spirit here is all about how does God make his home in you and I. You can grab the Bible on me. In fact, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll very quickly just go through this and let me show you how, knowing that the Holy Spirit is how God makes his home in you, we can understand a lot of, of what we've just read. Is that okay to put that back up again? Thank you. Right, so, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Well, I tell you something, I've tried obeying God. It's really, really difficult. I can usually do it while I'm sleeping and imagining, and then I, unfortunately I ruin it by getting up and doing something. And it's called life. And we, we sort of live with that, the idea that we can't live up to this. We read the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, and we read it and it says, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the you think. And you're reading it thinking, this is setting me up for a fall. But of course, you're not allowed to say that because you're a good Christian. Until you realize God makes his home in people. And the power, oh, sorry. The power to love him and the power to obey him comes from the fact that he indwells. Not because you grit your teeth and you're going to love these horrible people in church and out of church, but because he indwells you and he is the power within. If you love me, you will obey my command. That sounds as if, let's, let's find out how, you know, who really knows God and there's a tick list. No, the loving and the obeying come together. That's what happens when a human being is indwelt by the Spirit of God and starts to grow. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, a helper. It's a strange word, paracletus. It's, it's a Greek word for counselor. It's a bit old now, and it means someone who's going to be there for you. That's literally what it means, someone who is a help, an advocate, someone who's there for you. The Spirit of truth. He teaches you the truth about yourself, the truth about God, the truth about the world that we live in. That's what he does. Not some, he doesn't necessarily teach you physics, although he can, or geography, but he teaches you the truth about the world, yourself, and God himself. Well, he keeps on doing that. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Can you see that? God making his home in a human being. I will not leave you as orphans. Literally, it's, I will not leave you fatherless. Why is he not going to leave us fatherless? Because the Father himself, by his Spirit, is going to draw close. Jesus, by his Spirit, is going to draw close. And he's going to indwell. He's not just going to help on the sidelines shouting. But God Almighty dwells inside an ordinary human life. Why does it do that? Because I live, you also will live. Jesus came alive again. And because of that, we live. Why? Because he lives inside us. He lives his life through us. On that day, you will realize I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Get your head around that. I don't think you can. I can tell you what it feels like, though. 
It happened to me in January 1977 when my friend Gary Lutet said to me, ask him to come and live with you. Ask God to come and live with you, and he will. Jesus died so that God could make his home in you. And I remember getting down my knees and sort of not quite sure, and I said something like, he says, pointing to my friend Gary, that you'll come and live with me if I ask you to because of Jesus. And I'm really not sure, but will you come and live with me? I really need you. And he did. So I don't know. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh. There we go. Back again. So I don't know all the theology of that. Much of that I really don't understand. But I know that it happened to me when I became a Christian. All of that happened. And the rest of the time since 1977 has been gradually, very gradual in my case, working out what this actually means in my own life and other people's lives. Do I understand it yet? No, I'm afraid not. I really don't. Do I know that it's true? Yes. Do I know that God is in me and that the Father is in the Son and all that sort of stuff? I don't understand any of it, but I know day by day as I go through my day that that is true. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. God is love. Everything about God is love. How do you love people? You only love people because God's Spirit gives you the power to do it. Not a nice, queasy feeling about them. I really love them. But the ability to reach out to folk who are unlovely, or people who hate you, or people who will harm you, and love to people who don't care about you, to folk who make fun of you, and to love. To folk who really don't bother with anyone, who are totally unlovely, that everyone else will walk by. And because God lives within you, there's the power to reach out and to love and serve. Because that doesn't happen without the indwelling of God. So here it is. This is verse 26. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him. Oh, boy. <laughs> my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him if you're a Christian God has made his home in you isn't that amazing you haven't just accepted a set of doctrinal beliefs I believe this blah 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 blah, blah. God himself has actually come and made his home in you it says in John 3 and 16 earlier on in this gospel God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not die, would not perish, would not rot away, but would have eternal life. What is eternal life? We go slightly later on in this story to John 17, verse 3. Jesus tells us, and this is eternal life, that you would know God and you would know Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. That's eternal life. And that happens as soon as God comes to live with you. We're great at thinking we've got to search for God and we've got, we've got to somehow make God our home. Isn't it amazing that God makes his home in us? He takes the initiative. Because of the death of Jesus, we have the ability to respond to him and he can make his home in us. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. What is he saying? He's saying that if you don't have the Spirit of God inside you, you can't do these things. If you don't have God indwelling, you can't do these things. 
All this I've spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the one who draws alongside, the Holy Spirit whom the Father has sent in my name, will teach you all things. Now, talking to the disciples, he did teach them all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. We have the New Testament. We have the New Testament because this was fulfilled in the lives of those disciples, those pathetic, in some ways, men, terrified, and yet they were able to do so much. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world gives. I do not give as the world gives. How on earth can you have peace in a world like this? How on earth can you have peace in a life like yours or mine? How can you have peace in a city like this where there is violence and hate and all sorts of things going on round about alongside all the good? How can you have genuine peace through the Holy Spirit? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Because the world says, actually, peace is the absence of all the chaos. With the indwelling God, there is peace because he is indwelling, no matter what happens outside. Anything? No. (laughs) Let's try again. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's the way Jesus started off. Because there is real reason to be troubled and be afraid. But why not? Because it will get better? No, because the God lives with us. If you love me, you'd be glad I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Not many people understand that. I don't. But I do understand a little bit about this. Be glad that I'm going to my Father. Why? Because unless Jesus goes, the Holy Spirit could not come. One Jesus on earth turned the world upside down. For some reason in the plan and love and economy of God, he thinks that millions of Jesuses is a good idea. I will speak with you much longer. I will not speak with you much longer for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. Having the indwelling God does not save you from living in this world. Having the indwelling God does not make your life a bit easier or simpler. What makes life different different is Jesus' words, he has no hold over me. And later on in the gospel, he says, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer, smile, because I've overcome the world. The person living inside has overcome the world. The come, let us leave he gets up. And the story after that is a story of them all thinking, those were wonderful words. I just feel so much better now. No, what happens is they go to a garden where Jesus' heart's broken. The guys fall asleep. Soldiers come. He's betrayed by a friend. He goes through a mock court case. They all run away. There's total mayhem. He's killed. He's murdered. And they all run frantic. It'd be nice if it was a good story to end that straight after this, because of this, that they all felt, oh, I feel so much better now. They went into real chaos after this. But the thing is that the man or woman who is Jesus Christ living inside is a different person. What do we take from this? What's the lesson for us? If you're here and you're not a Christian, do you know that the living God wants to live inside you? Not just come alongside you or get you to live a Christian life. A Christian life is lived by a Christian. 
because the Holy Spirit indwells. God wants to make his home with you. Is that something you want? Is that something you actually want? And for those of us who are Christians already, where God has made his home because the Holy Spirit's come to indwell, have you thought about what that actually means in terms of the stuff that's exciting, but also the stuff that's a bit scary? Close your eyes. And I want you to imagine round about Christmas time that there's a knock on your door, the door to your house, right? It's just around about Christmas time, and there's a knock, so you can hear the knock on your door, imagine it. Go and open up the door, and as you open it, you notice that there's, Jesus is there. Can you see him? He's at your, the door of your house, and he says, can I come in? What do you say to him? And as he, if you say yes, imagine yourself saying yes, even if at the minute in your heart you're saying, I'm going to shut the door really quickly here. Imagine you said to him, come into my house. What would you do? What do you do for the first couple of hours? Do you give him a meal? Do you talk to him about things? Do you talk to him about the, uh, John's gospel? What do you do? And then, when everyone's getting a bit tired, and you're hoping that maybe he'll, he'll go now, and he says, actually, I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay the night. Is that okay? How do you feel? Next morning, he's down at breakfast. There's all them, just your normal breakfast is going on. He's at breakfast and he tells you, actually, I'm going to stay for a couple of months now. And he stays with you all the way through to April, May just now. How does that feel, having Jesus living in your house for all that time? What does he see day by day? What does he see week by week? What does he see of you? Okay, you can open your eyes now. There's comfort there. But unless you're terribly different from me, it's pretty scary. Jesus living with you. The defeated Christian life is something which wrecks many, many people. The fact that we are saved by grace, God is good to us, and then we have to kid on that we can somehow do it by our own strength, and God never meant that. God meant us to live Christian lives, Christian adjective life, by being a Christian, a noun. No one can live Christian really from inside without the help of the Spirit of God. If you don't know God, he wants to come and live with you. Jesus died so that he could dwell, he could live with men and women. Jesus died so that you and I, who are Christians, can live extraordinarily ordinary lives. Not by trying our hardest, not by trying just to love the unlovely, but by allowing him to shape us by having them in the house and talking to us. One of the things I found when I became a Christian, I get such a fright that God had come to dwell with me. So I tried for six months to try and persuade him that he wasn't there. And so I was trying to do things that would you know, sort of maybe chase him away, make it go backwards. Dreadful admission. 
And I couldn't do it. He was there for keeps. It was like living in a house with someone where you weren't talking. He wasn't going to leave the house, but you weren't talking. Can I put it to you? Many, many people who are Christians end up in a state where God is in the house with them, but they're not talking anymore. He's never going to leave. He's never going to walk away. But have you ever been in a house where a family are not talking? It's horrid. The good news, it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. God wants to dwell in someone like you. And because of Jesus, he can. God wants to dwell and live out his life through people like you and I. Is that what you're signing up for? If you become a Christian, yes. If you already are a Christian, I'm afraid you're already there. Bit late to back out now. He's not going away. He stays and he stays and he stays. But is he in your house and you're not talking to him? Lots of mysteries in here. I just want to play these scriptures again. I'm going to ask Ellie and the worship team to come up and play a very, very simple song. And, and we're, we're going to go through the scriptures again. Just let them speak to us because these are God's words to us. And I don't want you to necessarily to, to think about the great mysteries of the Trinity. You can do that later. There's great books on it. What I want you to think about is, what is God saying to me right here and now? Not the God who's, who's up here or out there or even in a book. But the God who is either outside asking to come in or the God who's already living inside you who wants to feel more and more at home in you. People respond in different ways and very often we, we, we respond by, by singing and we will sing. The scriptures will be up here. You can look at them. If you want to just sit quiet and pray, you're welcome to do that as well. We've also got some other different media for you to use. Not because it's trendy, but because people are different. And God quite likes difference. I don't know why, but he does. Up here, there's a board. and You can put anything that you want on that board as a response to what God is saying to you. Because God speaks to God in each of us. It's not just about you. God speaks to God in each of us. And you're welcome to put something up there. If you, if you don't want to be quite as demonstrative as that, if you have, a, if you have a, a word or a scripture or something you want to pray about, there's this amazing board here. And at the, at the end of each of your pews, you'll find a little piece of paper. And you can actually write something on that and come up and, and just interweave it here, if that's what you want to do. Also down here, there are some crosses, which you can either write on or color in. And you can see that Carol's already put one up in the board here. I realize at this stage that some people just feel really uncomfortable. Listen to me, please. You're among family, and I don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. The only thing that I insist is that we together try and listen to what Almighty God is saying to us. How that comes out, it's not for me to say. And if it comes out by you wanting to sing, fine. If it comes out with you wanting to sit and pray, fine. If you want to use these visual ways, if you want to come and pray at the front, someone will come and pray with you. What matters is the love and obey. Not because there's a God outside with a big stick, because there's a God inside who is changing us from one degree of glory 
into another as long as he's not being dumped in the house and left with the family not talking. 